This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone. This is the Meaningful Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of Meaningful Sport. Welcome everyone to the second part of our conversation with Greg Dreyer. Greg is the former director for Center for Physical Education, Sport and Activity at Kingston University and currently focused on working on the MyMove app that he co-founded and that was launched in 2019. In the first part, we discussed his evolving thinking on meaningful PE and how it informs his work and started exploring his recent blog writings questioning the ideas around purpose of physical education. So we started discussing this idea of PE as life coaching and started disrupting these discourses around life skills and transferable skills a little bit as well. So let's continue the discussion. So one of the points we left off was this idea that physical education, physical activity can have these instrumental values. Perhaps it makes people more successful in their lives in some conditions. But then at the same time, we should also be thinking of and giving much more space to thinking about what is the value for people in in these activities as they are going about it uh, in their daily lives, regardless of whether it helps helps them and influences them in their other domains and what they do as well. Yeah, I think um, there are two things there. First is um, the phrase you use, how it can influence you and help you. Um, and I, I'd, I'd really like to shift that and the work we're doing with my move. In fact, it's embedded in the name, my. Um, I'd like the young people to really be uh, uh, better connected to be able to answer how does it help me uh, and I think part of the part of the problem is that young people have been told to do this because it is good for x which is normally around health um, or transferable skills so adults are giving young people the the reason why they should be doing something and I think you know if if we look at uh, engagement in physical activity um, people find their their own connection. Um, you know, I had a I had a run uh, in my local area two days ago, and I ran through. Uh, London's brilliant for running because it's it, you can run off road for for miles and miles. So I ran through park space and uh, parkways and, and um, canal spaces. It really lovely, and I went past people who were playing tag rugby, basketball, volleyball. Lots of cricket was going on, tennis was going on, skateboarding etc there was a lot of activity on that day and every time I ran past them I was just, you know, now I don't I don't run that hard so if I feel like it I'll stop and watch and um uh, and not worry about the clock um and I, I kept asking myself 
I wonder if these people are doing what they're doing for health reasons. And it really didn't strike me from an, as an observer that that they were. Um, now, you might you know, ask, well, how do you know what they're doing it for? But the atmosphere was, was sometimes it was very intense. The cricket was really intense. Um, sometimes, and it was very, very competitive. Sometimes it was just joyous. Sometimes it was just so communal. The skateboarding was pretty communal. Um, and so really trying to unpick, well, what are they there for? And the, the answer lies in the individual. So, you, of course, you'd have to interrogate work with, discuss with the individual rather than say, you know, this is, this is important to you. So t- t- turning that you into a me and having that as a personalized conversation that I want to know my reasons for doing what I want to do and being active my way, which of course also come out of the biases and the, the, that an individual has, but at least it's, it's their journey. So, um, yeah, so th- that was the, the, the first part and, uh, Forgive me, um, <laughs> could you just pick up on the second part? Because there was something else I wanted to respond to in your question. Yeah, so we talked about like the internal value of of doing yeah. sport and physical yeah. activity rather than everything else it might Absolutely. Yeah, contribute. And I yeah. think, yeah, I think certainly within PE and possibly within sport as well, and I, I'm not a big fan of having a very clear distinction between them um, in fact, I think PE and youth sport are very, very similar for similar purposes, but that, that's a slightly separate conversation. And a lot a lot of the claims that are made, especially the life skill claims um, and probably the health claims, uh, come from a lack of confidence within the profession to talk about the value, the inherent value in doing what we do just because. And therefore, and, and you know, the, the David Kirk tracks this historically in his work and talks about um, how PE had to justify itself through high status association. And as you know, academically and in, in the world at large, I think, the highest status knowledge is in, the, in STEM, in science and technology. And... Um, so you know, back in the in the fifties, um, PE became essentially sports science in academic settings, and indeed, you could probably argue that sport did the same in jumping on science. Is sports science really sports science, or is it just science applied to sport? But um, I'm not a sports scientist, so I'm not going to I'm not going to try and unpick that one. And um, so it comes from a lack of confidence in in the way the subject the experiences, the behaviours contribute to a person's life, full stop. And so therefore we're always looking for those whys, we're always looking for those justifications, and that's led to a really confusing space. Um, But out of that confusion, and this is where I'm always keen to say this is not just a theoretical conversation, because it really does shape young people's lives, or it shapes their experience, or it shapes their relationships. So if if people are thinking... You know, I was working with with um, uh, trainee teachers yesterday, and if if they go in thinking that what they're they're there to get young people fit or healthy or resilient, then they're going to develop. They sorry, they're going to present learning activities and learning experience for the young people with those outcomes in mind. Um, so discourse and conversations around 
resilience and we don't give up and what do we do? How do we respond when things are challenging? And I'm not saying that, that there's nothing educative in those conversations. Um, my, and, I, and I think if it unlocks certain activity opportunities, um, I don't know, like hill walking, you know, hill walking or hill running can sometimes be really uncomfortable. Mm. And for someone who's a novice in that, understanding how to respond to that discomfort is um, really valid knowledge. Um, but it's when it when when we make the claims that it goes beyond sport and into your life generally that, that well as you said I think we should just stay in our lane and equip young people with the the skills the knowledge the understanding the self awareness to support them wanting to be more active not to try and fix them in their uh, life on the whole and you know what if if any of it does transfer and it rubs off. Then great, you know that that's a bonus. So who's who's not going to want that? Um, I'm not saying it can't ever, but it shouldn't drive what we do and why we do it. Yeah, and so let's then move on to your another blog post, which was also challenging the purpose or looking at kind of what is missing when we discuss the purpose of physical education. And this was the Ofsted research review on physical education. And for just for the non-UK audience like myself, it would be good to first share what it is and why is it why is it such a relevant document and worth addressing and and discussing further. Yeah, so Ofsted is the inspectorate service for schools in in England. Um, there are other inspectorate services um, in uh, well around the world. There's inspectorate services. So Ofsted specifically for English schools. Um, of which I believe there's about twenty four thousand schools, and um, that that's a lot of teachers and a lot of young people. So, um, an Ofsted inspection is high stakes, um, often a source of anxiety for the school and the teachers in that school, um, and the judgments that the inspectors made are publicly published, widely available to anybody online, um, and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn to say that those inspection outcomes can make or break careers. So it's not something that's ever spoken about lightly or lightheartedly. Um, any critique of their work is always within the context that um, uh, there are teachers who have to, they have to pay attention to Ofsted unless they really want to be outliers, and there are some outliers. There's a, a, a school um, called Three Bridges in West London whose head teacher just didn't buy into the, um, uh, I guess he would call it the neo-managerialism of the Ofsted framework and philosophy. And um, he built a school where uh, happiness was at the heart of the children's lives. Um, and interestingly, and I always... I always think this is worth noting that these things tend not to be binary. They tend not to be either or because when Ofsted did visit that school, um, they gave it the highest grade, which is for them is outstanding in all areas of the inspection. Um, and I took take great heart from that. And I, I wish actually that that was more widely publicized because, you know, 
Ofsted tends to be the tail that wags the dog. Schools will understandably, and I'm, I'm really not critiquing this, I, I get it, schools will do what they think Ofsted will want to see. And it's a question that is asked of people in the profession who are considered to be knowledgeable or possibly experts. How would Ofsted see this? How, what would Ofsted make of this? Can I really do this um, in line of the Ofsted guidance? Um, so uh, I, you'd have to talk to an Ofsted inspector to really get a detailed answer to that. I think they would claim that they they are not a prescriptive service and that they would uh, appreciate and acknowledge and value a school that's got a coherent um, uh, implement uh, in intention, uh, implementation that is aligned to that intention and ways of measuring the impact of those um, those policies and practices. So that, that's what Ofsted are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you mentioned that in this review, um, there are certain, like the ways that physical education, the ways that teaching styles in physical education are discussed is actually very narrow. And then you mentioned yeah. a number of uh, bodies of knowledge and, and other approaches that you are especially drawn upon that haven't been discussed meaningful physical yeah. education physical literacy and so on what do you see yeah. are then like the main gaps what what you would have yeah. liked to see being addressed much more so so if you're looking at the process through um, a critical social science perspective then you have to put the inspectorate service uh, within that context so the inspectorate service is um Uh, effectively an, an arm of of the state is an arm of government um, and it has to report to the Department for Education and therefore um, you know as Paolo Freire famously said that there is no such thing as neutrality and again the guise of common sense when education is presented as simply a matter of raising standards um, can lead to a lot of critical discussion so If Ofsted are sitting within that framework, the dominant thinking um, at the moment, uh, not just in in England or the UK, but in many in many parts of the world, um, is around what's often referred to as a knowledge-rich curriculum, that everything starts with knowing, and that teachers should drive knowledge. And again, you know, I don't want to I don't want to come across as being anti-knowledge. So. You then have conversations around uh, direct instruction approaches. Again, I'm not dismissive of direct instruction, but it looks it, it's very strong adherence to things, phrases like the expert in the room. There's a lot of talk about the teacher as the expert in the room. And th this seems to me to have set us back many years to a very specific form of education. And I don't think that that's an accident um, where the children are essentially passive and the teacher's job is to fill them up with knowledge to give them a platform um, to to learn further stuff. And it's a very classed approach as well because it's very, it seemed to be very effective and valued um, in very specific types of schools, very regimented types of schools where, I don't know, maybe social control, behavior control, behavior management is higher prioritized in in other schools. But um, 
So the Ofsted review for physical education, um, Ofsted have like subject leads in each subject area. And you know, as always, the, the author has presented an extensive piece of work and I would acknowledge and respect that. Um, it, it wasn't a light piece of work at all. Um, but it came from this very specific place. And in some ways, I, I was a little bit sympathetic to what the author was doing because she wasn't, I don't think she would have a free hand. I don't I don't know her. I've, I've had conversations with her a couple of times, but I don't think she would have had a free hand. She had to fit within the constraints that she was working. So how do you get a subject, which is essentially, at least in my opinion, it's essentially about driving certain or encouraging young people to display certain behaviours and it has to be closely aligned with subjects like maths which are very much about academic um, outcomes and academic attainment and I think that's a very uneasy relationship um, trying to make physical education as consistent as other subject areas. I think the the pedagogy can often be very consistent but the outcome is about a behaviour, about, you know, for, for me, as I mentioned earlier, young people freely choosing to engage in physical activity. Um, that, that's clearly a behaviour. So, you know, and, and so what's the impact of that? Well, there was a conversation on Twitter a couple of days ago where a, a teacher asked, um, is anybody else using a single lesson of PE? So if children would have two or three lessons of PE, the, and there's a short unit of, of, of a learning episode that might be 45 minutes rather than a longer one of 80 minutes. Is anyone else using a 45-minute period um, to do theory, which essentially is sitting in the class and is largely driven by anatomy and physiology? And that led to a really interesting conversation. Well, I, th- I found it quite a sad conversation where lots of people saying, yeah, really important that 11 and 12-year-olds are exposed to the knowledge that they need for the public exams at 16. Bear in mind that about 20 to 25%, some people might pick me up on those figures, but about 20% of each cohort opt to do physical education as an examination subject. So it's always a minority. So we've got 100% of the younger children losing one of their active lessons where they can have active learning in and around physical education to sit and learn about the muscles and the bones and uh, uh, and and these scientific um, concepts. Uh, and that seems to be a huge misalignment to what is widely regarded as the outcome. Now, of course, those teachers may be able to articulate a different outcome and they may be able to persuade me what do, how does knowledge of the body systems impact on those behaviours of wanting to be physically active. And it strikes me that that comes from a rather distorted logic because most people who are teaching PE, most people are enthusiastic about their physical activity and that was born out of their earlier years experiences as young people. So they, they really enthuse about, it's normally sport, let's call it what it is, it's normally sport. And they then go to study at higher education sports-related courses. Those courses, as we touched upon before, have largely been dominated by science. Yes, there are non-science modules, etc., but it's largely around science. So the rationality of science, the assumed, um, some would say, deceptive uh, deception of objectivity of science, um, is dominating their thinking. 
So they come out of university thinking very differently to when they went in. When they Before they went in, it was the enthusiasm for the movement space. When they come out of university, it's this objective, rational, scientific discourse, which is driving their thinking. So they lose touch with the heart and soul of their younger version. And then they go into school and tell kids, deliver a curriculum that is telling kids to be their 22-year-old version rather than their 12-year-old super enthusiastic version of themselves. And I don't necessarily understand at all uh, how um, uh, deep knowledge of the cardiovascular system persuades someone that using the cardiovascular system in a, in a, is, is, uh, is joyful. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the Ofsted report, the phrase that kept coming up is know and show. Uh, we want children to know more and to show more. And I, it really made me think, like, as a teacher, do I want them, is it, how important is it for them to know? So if they are connecting, if we go back to cardiovascular-driven uh, physical activity, if they are connecting to inline skating for the sheer joy of, um, of, of transporting themselves, of movement, of locomotion on wheels and learning new things, then... Do they need to know that that's good for their cardiovascular system? Um, I, I think it probably works the other way. I think that 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 connection to inline skating will probably lead some young people to inquire and be curious about what's going on with their cardiovascular system, but others will blissfully continue inline skating just to learn to be well for whatever. Some of them will want to learn new stunts or to go faster or whatever it is that they get out of it. So the relationship between know and show, when know is driven usually by scientific knowledge and show, which means engaging in it, um, and the the, the report speaks about procedural and declarative knowledge um, as reflected in know and show. So, you know, I've been much more about show, the behaviour, than it is about know, and I don't necessarily understand the relationship as it's presented in that report. Yeah, I think it's really interesting when we look at the dynamics, what is happening happening in physical education, sport and exercise. In terms of, we have all these interesting, exciting developments, the work on meaningfulness, the work on affective experiences, for example, Ekekakis and others in the exercise yeah. psychology domain are talking about the paradigm shift, that yeah. we should be focusing on how people feel during exercise. Yeah instead of only the cognitive strategies of goal setting and and so on. And we know on one hand that like the health-centered physical education, physical activity, the discourse is very strong. But we do see also these other strands as well. And you've done loads of work disrupting, for example, this health-centered thinking. And we talked earlier about the life coaching, life skills discourse and why this needs some critical examination as well. So where do you see, in terms of your own work, do you see that these ideas around meaningfulness, um, joy of movement, are they moving forward? And what can we do more? This would be maybe the closing call to action also to listeners. What can we do more in terms of kind of bringing these also into more mainstream discussions rather than being just these little pockets that never reach like the uh, broader public uh, conversations yeah well it's it's actually what can we do more 
is is the reason why uh, Marcella and I uh, are working on our app. Um, and there might be other people doing other work and who would answer that question differently. But um, we, we think that we can do more by knowing more about the young people's lives and about their experiences and having those insights um, to shift, you know, maybe not the 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 paradigm shift you mentioned, but hopefully, you know, it will be, but to really put the young person at the heart of that and what do we know about the young person? Um, uh, Marcella's just, just written a piece called um, uh, how, how, how Can You Care If You're Unaware? Um, and it's that awareness of, the impact of policy and practice in a, at a micro level. I keep talking about policy and practice, but you know, practices can be like a tiny interaction within a lesson. And for a young person, that can make or break that experience. And it could be the the most offhand, sleight of hand, minor comment, or even a look from a, a responsible adult, the teacher, um, or an absence of a look. So. That that's that level of self awareness that the teachers need, and uh, to ensure that young people are having positive experiences, whatever the positive is, in 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 physical education, which of course is a curriculum requirement. So it's the only time all young people are, uh, if you like, coerced into a physical activity setting. Um, so we have to know that. Now, there might be other ways that other schools, other teachers are, are going there and getting that deep knowledge. And what do we see? Um, and, uh, you know, again, I'll acknowledge the biases that we might be looking at the data with, but we, we see um, such a strong case that the social and emotional um, factors are by far and away the biggest drivers of engagement. Um, on, on the app, young people can free write. And the most common comments are around social relationships in the physical activity setting. Um, we saw a young woman who was posting from uh, Thailand who explained in detail on the app and she was sharing it. And I thought it was really interesting why she's sharing this, who she's sharing it with. And I th she was a 16-year-old um, uh, young woman and was talking about how she went to do a really hard training session because she was very annoyed about the way a relationship with the boy had played out in school that day. Um, and, you know, so when we talk about meaningfulness and sources of meaningfulness or motivation, it's astounding um, how broad those sources of motivation are. And they go well beyond scientific rationality. Uh, it's, it's born out of the emotional state that we are all in each and every day. Um, and and it's a reciprocal relationship, isn't it? So the physical activity might shape the emotional, uh, our emotional well-being for that day. Or in the example that I just gave, it was the product of emotional disruption that that young person had experienced during the day. And that was her go-to. So, you know, well beyond me to, to really pick that apart, but I'm sure sports uh, well not even sports so psychologists and educational psychologists and well it's cross-discipline isn't it but a lot of people could make a lot of sense out of that sort of data mm. yes we have loads of work to do further and exchange these ideas 
Thank you so much, Craig. I, I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity. And it's always nice to, to catch up. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.